Well, good morning again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Jaws Bites. I am Chris Johnson, your host, and we have the privilege of having on with us today a short interview with Mr. Sean Kohler, president and founder of Transglobal Solutions, a staffing company with particular interest and focus on the transportation logistics industry, in particular, getting drivers into seats these days. Huge problem in the market today with anywhere, you know, people that are experts predict anywhere from 70 to 180,000 drivers absent from the market today, both locally, regionally, and, and nationally. This is a big problem. It's a problem across the board with employment. But let's focus in the day, talk to somebody that's an expert in this arena. Without any further ado, Mr. Sean Cole. transportation business for about 30 years now almost and I, I hate to even say that but it's the truth and, and I, I'll never forget uh, way back I was I was at a restaurant one time with some of the new sales guys at Hunter my original transportation uh, employer and I was sitting there with a couple of new guys who were about my age and there was all these kind of old uh, slightly overweight gentlemen at the other end of the table I leaned over to the guy next to me I said hey if I'm still doing this when I'm that age and looking like that, just somebody take and shoot me, man. Uh -huh. That's and guess what? Yeah, but you don't look like that. You're pretty fit. You're pretty This is kind of yeah. But I love the whole, you know, the the haircut. Yeah. Does wonders for you. Like I got a weird. Well, he's either going to fall out or do that. So I figured I'd go with this. But hey, I, I wanted to welcome you today, Sean. It's it's great to have you aboard and with this edition of Jaws Bites, as always. Brought to you guys out there by iLevelLogistics.com. Coming across your screen right about now, I hope. And as always, we're trying to kind of curate and aggregate information in the transportation world to give people that are in the business more information to learn and grow and further their careers. And, and people that are interested, in, as more people should be today, in what's going on in supply chain to transportation and why maybe their product's not getting to Costco on time, or what's happening out there in the world when they're driving on the highway and all they see is trucks blowing by them. So the idea behind our site, of course, is to, to give people kind of an education. And I encourage everybody out there to be part of the community, to join us, to comment on our YouTube channel, to listen to us on the Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever your preferred platform is, and to uh, learn and grow with us, because that's what we need. We need feedback. We need a larger audience every time. And one of the keys to having a larger audience is having professionals that have been in the business a long time come aboard with us and share a little bit about their transportation background, their life background, because everybody's got a story, right? For sure. And I've known you a long time, Sean, and, and I'm, I'm thrilled to have you with us in studio. If one of the camera's not looking around the studio, but in studio with us. No, this is a sexy setup. Yeah. Don't let them get you wrong. <laughs> Well, tell us a little bit about your company, Trans Global Solutions LLC. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and we started in 2000, and uh, I was a director for information technology for a. It was a. It was a national company. It was a big deal, and uh, we just got bought out by a bigger company. And uh, uh, the transportation guy was going to get lucky behind, and he was a buddy of mine, and. 
you know, I, I already have a spot. He already had a spot for me, and then I had a spot for him in my heart. You know, sure, sure. I was like, oh, God, dude, you just got to go out on your own. And uh, he just, he didn't have the wherewithal to do it. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll be the... I'll be the numbers guy. You just keep selling, doing your thing, and we negotiated a really good deal. We almost bought uh, the the whole Mitch uh, company. The, mm -hmm. the president and vice president signed off, and then major shareholder at the last minute inks the deal. But we were already gone by then, and yeah, and they gave us a good time. You know, like yeah. you know, go for it. You know, you know that's interesting that you kind of at, at one point. I don't know if you pulled yourself away from a company like that or somebody pushed you into being more of an entrepreneur. You know, um, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's scary when you're not, let's say, because I've always been a sales guy, so I wasn't leading the charge in sales, although I was kind of from the back end. Sure. But I let, that was his part to do. And yeah. uh, I knew I could write the business plan and get the financing and get everything in order, even though I hadn't really done it before. I was just way more capable than my partner was. So we had, we had roles to play and it was good. So, uh, but it was a big deal. You know, we had to mortgage our house to, to the end and he sold his house and then we went out and uh, six months later we were we were making money, which is pretty It's a incredible. risky proposition to go Very risky. But it, I'll tell you what, you know, everybody out there listening to this is, is got to take note of that. I don't want anybody to miss that because there is a risk reward going out. There's always a risk reward. You just got to believe in yourself and mm -hmm. you got to believe in uh, in doing what you want to do. And I always thought I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was never very studious, although I was, I was fairly bright. I just, I think I had ADD, which now, <laughs> now uh, my wife diagnosed me with it. So I think I've had it forever. Well, let's see if we can keep from distracting you. Yeah, no, I distract myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the company that you guys started in uh, and continue to to grow is designed around the driver space, correct? Yeah, so um, you know, I went from IT staff and he was uh, transportation staff and which is drivers and you can do transportation managers, you can do supervisors, dispatchers, you can do everything. But we we kind of niched out just in drivers. But initially, you know, it was A, B, and C. There was a lot of C level guys you can put out there and they don't need really anything but just for a driver's license. But right. we had at the time, we had like Carl's Jr. and stuff, and they used guys like that around the holidays and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, so we just, um, yeah, that we just niched ourselves, and we, we're up against some really big, big guys in the space. I was going to say, there's some the overall the bigger staffing companies are they kind of holistic and kind of they do just everything anybody wants. Just tell us the job you're looking for. And we'll sure, sure. You're, you're more of a narrow scope kind of. Yeah, you know they're. They're not as specific. You know, we're niched in one specific area. Most of them are going to be um, industrial related. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, because there's so much money to be made in clerical and even IT because the workers' comp rate's so low and the rates are very high for what you get. Um, transportation's a niche not everybody really did. There wasn't, in 2000, um, there was less jobs and more drivers almost. Mm -hmm. You know, and in about 2005, it really changed a little bit. Where uh, there was more, there was more work and less drivers. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's that's actually one of the kind of things I'd like to try to communicate with you and have us communicate with the audience on a little bit is this this whole capacity issue specific to drivers. We talk all the time on these podcasts about different things that are going on in the industry. Certainly, we could talk forever about steamship lines and how we are sitting off any given port at any given time right sure. now holding goods that are 
some will be perishable that will never make it here. But um, you know, the, one of the biggest things, especially when you're talking about inland transportation, is whether it's long haul or short haul, is you've got to put you know butts in the seats, as the saying goes. And you've got to be able to to facilitate that turnover to get those drivers what you what they need to participate in the industry the way we'd like them to. Um, and sometimes I look at it and go, is this a real shortage? Is it is it something manufactured by kind of the regulations are out there? Is it is it people diving to other industries? What do you see? Yeah, it, it just depends. You know, when 2008, nine, you know, the crash came, uh, there was a lot of fallout. And yeah, there's a lot of drivers that went to other uh, industries that where they could make money. And there wasn't a whole lot of transportation going on. Um, and then now, you know, three years ago, you know, people went off because the government was paying them to stay off. And, and really, they just haven't come back. They've learned to live within their means. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of drivers sitting on the sidelines um, for various reasons. The ones that I don't like is the regulations, uh, you know, where on their own time, their off time, they can get a speeding ticket or DUI, and it, it affects their livelihood. And so a right. lot of guys are just not insurable anymore, and that's... That's a faulty system that needs to get corrected right away because it's not yeah. fair because you and I could go out with our, you know, wives or buddies and on the weekend mm -hmm. and get a speeding ticket and it doesn't affect our livelihood. Mm -hmm. But it, it, you know, it does, it, it does affect the livelihood of these guys. So there's a, there's, there's kind of a, a higher bar to be a CDL. Yeah. And unfortunately these guys, you know, they're not making tremendous amounts of money to carry that kind of load. Mm -hmm. So it's not fair to them. I understand they need to be safe and conscious, but when you're off, you're off. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that really correlates that they should always be on. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like you're on permanent call. Right? And with, plus, with you know, the, if they behavior. blow a point, you know, Oh four, you and I get a point four oh four or a point oh eight, mm -hmm. you know, on their off time hours. I mean, they're going to hit it right away. And, you know, mm -hmm. everybody needs off time, mm -hmm. you know, especially these guys that are working, that do a really good job. And yeah. And it needs to be fair. You know, nowadays as well with, you know, hours of service that are being enforced that are in place and, and then add to that the electronic logs. And, and there are exceptions to every rule. Certainly you deal with a lot of drivers that are more localized and in, within a certain, you know, distance that you don't need quite the same log data i don't believe no but, i think they do still, need it yeah most most corporations and companies like required three pls they're all required yeah so um yeah it was kind of the wild west when there wasn't electronic logs you know mm -hmm. you can finagle and these guys would make a tremendous amount of money mm -hmm. were they unsafe uh the, you know it's like anything you, i think they were very good at what they did and very professional right although there was some mistakes that were made now um with the hos the way they are there's already a driver shortage. Now they've just added an even bigger driver shortage. And with the various factors, guys not being able to be insured uh, mm -hmm. with their driving record, uh, there's not enough people getting pushed into this industry where you can make easily six figures. Sure. So, you know, why is that not pushed? I have no idea. If they're pushing everybody to college, and there's a lot of these, you know, skilled, unskilled positions where you can make a tremendous amount of money mm -hmm. if you want to take advantage of it. But... It's just not widely known. I mean... Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because I hear a lot of anecdotal stories about, you know, how drivers used to be 
the kind of the cowboys out there. The, you know, they wanted the freedom of the roads and all that. And there's certainly an aspect of that to being a driver, especially old school. And I think the average age of drivers is still, if not 50, high 40s out there. So there has been a push, I know, uh, and they, they talk about this within the PRO Act and some other things where they want to get people that are 21 years of age or younger. Or, or no, yeah, I think it's 21. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you've heard, but I believe it's 21. They want long-haul drivers to be able to be accommodated at that age. But there's it's a skill. I mean, these things are big vehicles. There's 80,000 pounds of truck and trailer and merchandise going down the road. Sure. So you need to have a safety factor involved. It, well, I mean, we're talking about two different animals. There's mm-hmm. long-haul guys that are completely different than local delivery guys or even uh, short-haul guys. Sure. Completely different. And uh, long-haul guys, um, sometimes you team them, sometimes you don't. And uh, it's just a whole different ball game when you're out there. The, the short-line guys or the local guys, uh, they're running – you know, they cut 14, 15 stops in a day. It's it's very, um, you know, it's hard on their bodies. It's hard on everything. They're they're driving down to coastal cities. Which it's very tight. They got to always be aware. They got to be on their game constantly. Yeah, there's no freedom of the highway. There going is on no there. freedom there's, of the highway. Your heads because, on a swivel all the time. Oh yeah, and everyone's out to get you. I mean, you just got to drive. And you know, they're under the gun. They got to make 14 stops and uh, then get get back to the the distribution site by a certain time and right. with traffic and you, you know, know parking situations oh. it's tough and you know what we came across we used to do long haul guys mm-hmm. back in the day and um we couldn't figure it out mm-hmm. they're just uh they're just a different animal we just couldn't figure and they're good people for mm-hmm. sure uh but we just found that our niche was going to be short line and and definitely uh local so even within that kind of parameter there's different animals too, absolutely right? you got pork yeah. guys you got the local drage guys you got people that are dedicated in service to you know uh, you know grocery warehouses or whatnot things like that and it it does require a different type of personality for each of those everybody that goes to the port doesn't want to work a you know a, a delivery gig where they're dropping seven right. to 15 loads and those guys that are dropping seven to 15 stops they're not going to be a a drage guy or go to the port they right. just it's a different animal it's just a different mindset completely so so going back one step you talked a little bit about you know what the driver shortage is really about and the one of the things that sticks out to me that you just mentioned is that there are so many constraints around the hiring process you know the insurability the the past history the safety aspects that as a drivers are ranked a certain way in terms of their experience with other other clients oh uh, we have some three so, pls that uh won't hire a driver that's under 25 years of age right they regardless or years of their, experience or yeah. whatever the case may be but i mean just right there alone mm-hmm. then what do you tell the young guys who are getting into the thing you got to you know the the industry you mm-hmm. just got to drive long haul to you figure it out and, what about apprenticeship you know, programs and things like that though isn't that something that this be apprenticeship programs and things like that i know some truckers have that but I don't know how effective that is either. Yeah, I mean, everyone's lowering their standards now. Um, like some are even six months of experience. But some insurance providers, if they want to take a lower insurance to cut their cost, mm-hmm. it's still there's an age thing. There's a, a minimum work experience thing. There's there's all kinds of 
factors that go in, and it depends. Every company's different, and some companies say, "Okay, I'll uh, I'll take a little bit higher insurance rate, but I want the freedom to hire more people." And mm-hmm. and other companies have decided that they they're going to hire less, unfortunately, because their criteria. You just sure. can't find somebody that that matches that criteria without having, let's say, like today, there's twenty thousand uh, dollar sign-on bonuses. And there's a lot of companies offering it, uh, but you know the details are in the fine print. You know you get there, and you may get the the worst shift ever or the worst route ever, and you know you got to stay there for a length of time before you can even leave. So it's kind well, of yeah. a catch twenty two for and, for drivers. And right now in the transportation industry, there's people going great guns, especially some of the larger mid cap companies, and they're they're putting out those bonuses like that. But again, the fine print is, is key to this yeah. because you're not going to get that paid out until you reach a certain amount of tenure with that company. And if you're given all the, the crappiest shifts in the world and all the most difficult stuff, and the labor-intensive stuff, or the 14 stops, you're never going to make it to that point anyway. And those companies know that. Yeah. And so you're almost temporary fill-in. You know, we always realize that uh, probably the bottom 20% of any company is transitional. Sure. Whether they're leaving, they're getting fired, they're not working out, and uh, that's where we come in. Mm-hmm. And we can easily give them a capable guy that will qualify, that will do right, mm-hmm. but there are employees. Mm-hmm. But that will help them. It's always going to be transitional. They're, I mean, everyone's hiring all the time. There's just not enough drivers sure. to go around. And uh, what our guys like is the independence of working for us. And working for varied companies. Mm-hmm. They don't want to work for one company per se. They may want to take a couple months off at a time. Um, so there's more flexibility. Uh, you flexibility. And, and also, you know, there's, you know, it, people realize that not everybody meshes with their supervisor or dispatcher or transportation manager. Mm-hmm. And when you're there, you're kind of stuck, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And when you're working through us, working through a company, you can say, I love this guy. I want to continue. When those shifts open up, I want to go back. Or you can say, man, he and I didn't jive. I want to, I want to look at another place. And that's the flexibility of working for somebody like us. You know, the interesting thing about what you and your company do, a couple things that stick out to me. You know, number one is, is you provide a, a flex. You know, staffing companies in general are that way. Certainly there can be long-term people that, that transition over to permanent you know, relationships with those companies that they started as, you know, temporary staff with. So, you know, as things fluctuate up and down, companies like yourself step in and give that extra labor in those drivers to facilitate people that are off because of illness, people that are off because of vacations, or sure. simply the fact that you're maybe slip seating now versus something else. But the, the, the second thing that comes up, and I think about all the time, and I don't know how this works out for you, but you're a physical company. You're a secondary company that is a vendor to another company that you're, you're providing drivers for. So you're not an owner-op. You're not an independent contractor the same way that the state of California, for instance, would look at in terms of the whole AB5 uh, construct that's being put together. So it seems like that, that it, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe you can tell me that I'm way off base on this, but it seems like if a company is looking to fill its driver void coming to a company like you is way smarter than going out and trying to fill it with owner operators that are independent contractors by themselves. Well, I always believe that we provide a service uh, for cyclical companies. And what we do is, you know, company A is 
cyclical at different times than company B. And so what those companies need to realize is you keep the core number of drivers that you need, you know, at your slowest time. And then what you really should do is, is just backfill through a service like ours or somebody else's mm -hmm. and utilize their drivers. And then you don't have to worry about wrongful termination, uh, workers' comp. We carry our own benefits for them. Uh, there's, there's so many caveats that we sure. include with the service that we do. Plus, there's, no one talks about how much money it takes to actually recruit a driver. Right. And then once you get drivers to come through the door, then it's vetting them. And it takes a lot of effort, and you need to be, you know, aligned with a company that's professional at doing that. And you, they'll have your, they'll have your back. Mm -hmm. You want to take on some new business? You can't with the current driver state that you've got, unless you work them overtime and double time. Right. Well, if you subsidize with that, with a, you know, you partnered up with a company, mm -hmm. a staffing company that was good at what they did, you, you could take on all the business you you could possibly want. You know, up to a point now because, I mean, everybody's limited. And if they're a good company, they're completely stacked sure. out. Sure. Now, yeah. do, you, do you see most of your clientele looking at you guys as long-term agreements and staffing over a period of time? because they, or, or is it something that you hit once in a while because they have some kind of short-term need? I think it's changed. Uh, uh, when we first started in 2000, uh, it was cyclical for us even. You know, it was uh, people calling off sick, people that were injured, they needed backfill. Uh, but now I think the industry's grown a little bit, mm -hmm. and they're realizing that um, if you had a really good partner, you know, that could carry you through, yeah. that you could you could get a lot further together than you can apart. So uh, are we? do we have strategic partnerships? Certainly. And they get filled before some of the other ones. But um, we'd like to think that every single one of our drivers is going to the right home. Sure. So we, we vet both the client, we vet, we vet the driver as well. And uh, our job is to make a right fit, even if it's for one day. You know, I think, I think it's important that the people that are listening to this and some of the other podcasts that we do kind of recognize that the 3PL nature, the, the, the middleman nature of what, a lot of us do in the transportation world, whether it be a broker, whether it be a staffing company, or, or any number of things, is real important to the fluidity of the network. Right now we're going through a lot of times that everything seems to be kind of a mess. And a lot of that has to do with equipment imbalances, you know, product not filling warehouses when need be, a lot of things like that. But having the appropriate middlemen working for you instead of because it goes down it goes back to kind of insourcing versus outsourcing right sure a lot of companies especially large ones will will try to look at something and say hey we're going to do it all ourselves we're going to have a recruiter we're going to have an insurance guy we're going to have a larger hr department we're going to have a bigger workman comp yeah. comp flow we're going to have all these different things because we're big and bad and we can do all this stuff and then very inefficient. cycles right it's just very inefficient yeah yeah. And, you know, really, if they calculate all the costs for those internal recruiters, how much money they spend on recruiting, uh, how many drivers come through and don't work out, we go through all that, and it's all, mm -hmm. it's all in our cost. Yeah. And generally, we're more affordable than what they are yeah, well, than what we do. We're, we're professional at this, and they're professional at transportation. So why they're in the HR game, I have no idea. And it's nice to say you own all your employees, but, you know, really, if you're smart about it, you would subsidize – for your mm -hmm. peak times yeah. and just keep your core employees for the, the down, the, you know, 
I think you focus on your core competency. Yeah, I think absolutely. That's, I think that's a lesson that a lot of companies have to go through some bad times to figure out. Some companies never figure it out. And the, the problem is the transportation manager, who was the next driver, who's moved up and making the decision, it really needs to come from a C-level guy. And, and I'm not sure they even look at that stuff. But they're starting to, they're starting to get a hold of it and mm-hmm. seeing how a strategic partnership can benefit them in certain ways. And it's, but it's got to go both ways. Well, I think your cell is a lot like any anything that has the brokerage nature to it, right? You, whether it's a C-level or not, you've got to have somebody look beyond the, just the, the raw number because your raw number is going to be higher than the raw number that they pay on an hourly basis for a driver. Yeah. But they're not calculating all the extra. Oh, yeah. No, they don't. Things. It's just the cost of doing business, right? Exactly. But, you know, internally, we use a outside vendor. Mm-hmm. Everybody comes in internally. They've got to go through another staffing company. Sure. Uh, until we know it's a good fit. Mm-hmm. And then it could take a year. Some people have taken two years uh, to come on board with us. But um, we understand the value of that, and we like it. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as AB5, yeah, I mean, we're in the perfect spot to help companies out. I think companies are either going to go uh, have a company just with trucks and, mm-hmm. and drivers or just brokerage firms. Mm-hmm. And those companies do them both, and they're going to have to pick one side or the other. Yeah. Fortunately, we're on the other side, and we can help them out. We don't have trucks, mm-hmm. asset light, as they say. Yes. But, um, well, your yeah. asset is, you know, a our human drivers, commodity, right? Absolutely. And our yeah. drivers are the best. Yeah. They really do work harder than the other drivers that we see out there, and we yeah. get feedback a lot. Well, it sounds like you have a pretty robust vetting process, and if you've been doing this since, what, 2000, you said? Yeah, 2000. So you've got some time under your belt to see a lot of things go through it, and... Yeah, it, it's vetting to get the right person, in, mm-hmm. you know, in the game here. But, you know, we treat them like family. Uh, we treat them with respect and dignity, and we pay them well. Mm-hmm. And if they have any kind of issues, we take care of that for them, and we're along with the ride with them. It's you like know, having a family member with you, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think you actually hit on something that is lost in the conversation about drivers these days. And there's there's been a... a you know, kind of an existential driver's crisis, it seems like, forever. At least the people that are trying to get money going toward transportation products from whether it's local, regional, state, or federal government are always, you know, harping on that. But I think a lot of it often comes down to, you know, there's high-tech solutions, but there's high-touch solutions. And and drivers are people, and they want to be treated, as you said, with respect, and their concerns are, if they're voiced, they need to be addressed. And I believe that the industry as a whole, as far as the truckers are concerned, have often been pushed off to this kind of, I don't even know how to put it, but it's just not given the priority that it needs to. And that means people, I mean, you think about it, if, if there's a building boom, these guys would rather put up wallboard than, than drive if they're not treated right, right? Sure. Yeah. So. Everybody, it doesn't matter what position you're in. I mean, they need to be treated with dignity and respect. And mm-hmm. they do a, I mean, all drivers do a really honorable job. And, you know, they carry a lot of responsibility with them. Right. They work uh, various hours. Um, it, they're driving in traffic, especially our guys mm-hmm. that work local all day long. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you and I go to work in traffic. We stay there for eight, ten hours, and then we drive home in traffic. They're in traffic Their whole all jobs day. in traffic. Yeah. And so, you know, my mind boggles. Uh, you know, for 30 years, I drove an hour and a half one way to work. 
I'm thinking, man, if I had to be on the road for eight, ten hours, I would, you know, I don't know what I'd do. So, yeah. I mean, they, there's a lot of respect that's due there to those guys, and I don't think they get it, the uh, credit that they deserve. Well, you know, interestingly, a lot of there's a lot of articles out, and especially over the last year and a half with this pandemic and the shutdowns that have occurred and the, the advent of additional technologies. There's a lot of talk about AI and you know driver autonomy and vehicles and things like that. And you know, I, you know, you can see a future where a lot of trucks are quote unquote piloted versus driven. You, you know, well beyond probably your and my time. At least I would like to think, but. The stuff that you do, especially on the local side, I mean, I, I can see somebody going on an empty highway very easily, Yep. you know, a, 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 autonomously. But through the, you, you just mentioned it, all the 10, 12, 14 hours in traffic every day. Whew. Going through beach cities, trying to get a parking spot at a, um, we used to service um, uh, 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, and they'd have 20 stops. And, oh, my gosh. You know, you're going through beach cities, and there is no parking parking in a 7-Eleven. You can barely park your SUV in there, you know. So, um, sure, you can get that autonomous truck going there, but and they're not going to pay somebody to come off and offload their truck. So what else do they take extra stops? So there's always going to be a driver locally, I believe, uh, even if it's an autonomous truck. Somebody's got to get off and offload that and keep track of the product. Right, but yeah, sure, man. I mean, why wouldn't you want autonomous trucks driving on the from here to Dallas or whatever? Uh, you know, as long as they're all talking to each other and they don't, yeah. you know, hurt anybody. There's a lot of hurdles to overcome sure. still. Yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, you know, the 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 high touch part of it, the human part of it still has to be integrated into this thing. Yeah, and that's not going to go away. That I see. Uh, you know, but, as, I'd like to think as much as AI is good, you still need the human touch yeah uh because people like to be serviced mm-hmm. and they like to be coddled a little bit mm-hmm. you know and and that's important you know it's important when you get greeted when you go to a restaurant you don't yeah. want i hate ordering from a menu well, and then sitting down and then they just bring it I, I think part of what you're saying though sean is is you and i are in the in the same age bracket the same demographic if you will and the way we think about things in terms of technology um, I, I had this conversation with somebody the other day that I, I look at all of these things, whether we're talking about, you know, our, our mobile phones or whether we're talking about autonomous vehicles, I look at them as tools. And today's younger generation are integrating these things into their lives in, in, a, in a way that I, I just, I can see, but I really can't understand correctly, right? And so I, I think that you, you said it yourself, you go to a restaurant and, and order from the menu. Well, the younger generation doesn't even... They order before they get there. They order after they're looking at Yelp sure. and this and that. Sure, so sure. The, the 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 viewpoint is different. In our future, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be out on a rocking chair sooner rather than later and going. What are these kids doing these days? So it'll be way different. But the thing that will not change is that to get products from A to B to support the people that want to buy these goods, things have to move. Transportation logistics has to grow and has to change, and it's becoming a bigger and more important part. And it comes right back down, always in my mind, to who's sitting behind the seat delivering something. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, if you want to be a great company today, you could start fresh right now. You just got to have the manpower to do so. And manpower is hard to come by. So, you know, I just go back to the other thing. I'm sure I'm in that that space, but you need to make strategic alignment with, with companies that can benefit your company 
right? Versus you trying to do it all yourself. It right. just doesn't make sense anymore. Right. And, uh, you know, the industry is starting to get a little bit better ideas of, how, of, of the possibilities, but uh, I don't yeah. know. No, I, They're going to have to with AB5, though. Yeah, and that's that's going to be the norm nationally. It will be. I mean, something along those lines, the ABC test, and it can, compared to the Bolero test, it's going to change. Yeah. And they're, they're, a lot of people are driving that direction simply because the tax money, uh, governments don't want to extract that tax money after the fact. They want it beforehand sure. so they can use it and determine whether you get any of it back or not. That's kind of intuitive in the whole thing. But let me ask you, let me, let's try to finish up with one thing if I can. What, what is there maybe one or two things that kind of rub you the wrong way these days in terms of, and not, not big subject, nothing I want you to go off on a rant on because I've known you long enough to know that if I, if I don't stop you, we could do that, or I could, one or the other. But in, as far as transportation logistics, as far as the space you're in, uh, you've mentioned a couple things, but is there something that sticks out at you as the biggest obstacle for small to mid-cap businesses to try to overcome in the transportation space these days? The hardest thing is uh, there's some pretty big players in the, not in my industry, but in the transportation industry, like 3PLs. And to do business with them, you've kind of got to bend over backwards. You've got to finance them. You've got to do a lot of things that really you shouldn't have to. If it was more strategic, they'd understand your plight understand your cash flow issues because you pay a driver weekly and then they want to pay you 60 90 120 days down the road it doesn't work yeah uh so that does rub me the wrong way mm-hmm. you know we it's an important piece of their puzzle to make them profitable mm-hmm. they need to value it a little bit more uh the other thing is is that uh, I, I truly believe that um, some of the standards that the drivers are held to are, are pretty unfair uh, for what they're doing, uh, such as, you know, the, the lower blood mm-hmm. alcohol content. Uh, and yeah. This is off hours, not, off not hours during stuff. hours. Yeah, obviously. You know, a you speeding ticket, uh, off hours. I mean, we all get in trouble with, with various things, and um, you can't judge somebody when they're off hours. That should be their off time. You know, it's interesting because you've hit on a couple interesting things there. Cash flow for any business is got to be one of the primary things right in right in focus every single day because going in business is not about paying everybody before you ever get paid way down the line it's it's about having enough cash flow to accommodate what you need to grow or maintain right and so that's something to always keep in mind and, and it's been a frustrating part over the course of my time as an entrepreneur but then you you've you know i, th- I think about what you what you just said a second ago after that in terms of the the drivers and their capabilities and what what is expected of them off hours on hours etc and i think that there ought to be a tiered system of some kind because you think about hours of service is a great example and you know i'm not going to change the world today but everybody no matter whether they're they're starting right out from driver school or whether they've been doing this for 45 years are held to the exact same hours of service standard. Supposedly for the majority of that is for safety. That's at least what you hear when you look at these regulations, et cetera. But the reality is this guy's have been doing this 30 years is way more adept at what he's doing than the guy that's starting out. Absolutely. And, but they're given no credit for that. It's almost like there should be 
credit given to allow, because driver shortages would disappear. I, I read a study. This was an MIT transportation logistics study. I, I did a podcast on it a month or two ago. And the, the, the feedback on this, and it was very analytical, and it, this isn't the right number, but it was the number they came up with. And it basically said, if you could put every driver, long, this was long haul, every driver on the road actually physically driving for 12 minutes more per day, 12 minutes more per day, there would be no shortage. So it's an efficiency issue. It's a usage. It's getting people behind the wheel in driving. Well, the, the new HOS has really caused issues because I think a lot of the uh, truck stops, uh, when you go east or west to east, is that right? <laughs> One <laughs> of those directions. To, California to yes, New York, yes. coast to coast, they, they, they're scheduled for guys to be able to make their stop and then get their rest time and things like that. Mm -hmm. So when they shortened it a little bit and, you know, it's really skewed stuff up where guys are getting stuck or... Because they have to stop. Even oh. if their hours of service aren't ready, they got to, they're going to have to yeah. stop at, at this rest stop here, even though they're going to have to deliver two hours away because they would have been out of time one hour in between, right? Yeah, yeah, for So sure. the, it, it just ruins efficiency. But so you also see, you know, I go to my brothers in Bullhead City and you see a lot of trucks, not in truck rest stops, not in truck stops. Because they're just running out of hours in the middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. and it's it's bad. Uh, a lot of the truck stops are catered to trucks because they know they bought land in the middle of the desert yeah. or in the middle of nowhere is because they knew like, okay, from California you start driving out of L.A., okay, your twelve hours are going to be here, mm -hmm. and now you know you, you shorten that or mess around with that, and now you're stuck somewhere else, right? Or you're in violation. So, you know, it's funny because parking is one of the few things that's not been addressed real well from the federal standpoint. Needs to be. But, you know, transportation in general is such a... And this is one of the things I like to talk about uh, online here to, to anybody that's watching or listening is that this is a much more complex industry than you first think about. When I was... I used to sell electronics at Montgomery Wards and Dillard's of all places years and years and years ago. And all I cared about was why my stock wasn't there or what was it there on time. I didn't have any, you know understanding of how all that happened until I got into this business. And part of the plan today and part of the plan for bringing folks like you on is to see different aspects of this business and try to get a handle on how to understand it better, how to give it the priority it needs, and hopefully that means change. I think now in the current crisis where there's 70 container ships out there and there's not <laughs> enough drivers and no one's getting their product and Costco is saying one toilet paper per person now, and there's not even a, yet, you know, a rush for that stuff. They mm -hmm. just know what's coming. And for years and years, you just took for granted mm -hmm. the transportation guys. Generally, they were non-college graduates, you know, maybe co uh, high school dropouts. Mm -hmm. they're, they're very smart, analytical guys. They mm -hmm. don't get credit for it. But they've always been taken advantage for a very long time. And, you know, maybe, you know, you get, you get something like this where, you know, they've got a little bit, you know, more... You know, that people are looking at them a little differently now, and they should, yeah. because it's a pivotal piece in, in all this that, you know, they need to get uh, their, their fair share of respect for you know, what they do. You know what I think that means for you? I think that means your business is going to grow. That's what I think. <clears throat> well, uh, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. Uh, that's great stuff. I think all businesses sh should grow. Mm -hmm. I like it. I want the economy to get back. 
Yes. You know, to where we, we, you know, all the, there's a lot of small businesses got really hurt with this, mm-hmm. this COVID shutdown. That's a whole nother conversation because mm-hmm. even though that my business has been good, mm-hmm. there's a lot of businesses that have failed that right. weren't in the right industry. And I, I just, my heart goes out for them. And right. I, I think that it could have been avoided. And unfortunately, I think there's people that want more power than they want mm-hmm. people to do well in this country. And that's yeah. a shame. Well, it's, it's great to hear from you today and get your perspective on things and i think it's important for for those out there that are watching and listening today to hear this kind of perspective because this is this is a a gentleman that that owns a company that is considered quote-unquote essential right and he's he's done very well over the time that i've known him and he certainly has plenty to say and he's actually tapered it back for us today to give us the kind of the the G or even PG version of most of his thoughts. And, but, uh, but I can guarantee you guys that this is only part one for this gentleman. So Sean, I thank you very much for coming aboard the show today and, and sharing us a little bit of your wisdom and your perspective on things. Well, thanks for having me and I appreciate the opportunity. We'll see you guys next time on Jaws Bites. 